0: you're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. I'm excited about this series, y'all. The next nine weeks... Uh, I'm excited about the conversations we're going to have in this Let's Talk About It series. I'm not going to be afraid of it. There are some things I don't think I've really talked about my views and what the way the Bible teaches it, really. And we are going to confront it. And I'm excited. So we're going to start this thing out. Uh, will you stand with me right now? Um. So here's our problem. It's my problem. It's your problem. It's everybody's problem. We think we know a lot more than we do. We do. And I just want to tell you straight up, you don't. I don't. We don't, but I want to learn. Will you lift your hands right now if you just are open to learning, opening your heart, because I want to learn, man. I want to learn. I know that I don't know it all. I'm one person in universe, a universe, a God that is bigger than me, and I'm thankful because there's some stuff I can't carry. Uh, Lord, you said yourself, Jesus, that we would do greater things, and we do not want to settle for a generic Christianity when you have called us to greater Lord, speak to us. We want to be what you've called us to be and build what you've called us to build, and we want to be about it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start this thing off. Y'all ready? Uh, uh, the, my title today is, let's just let's talk about being about it as you're seated. You got seated real quick. I know we had y'all stand up a while. I may make you stand up in a minute just for that. Uh, 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 tell somebody near you, say, don't sing it, bring it. So I told y'all recently, I said it, and I'm going to say it again. I may say it 10 times before it's all done. Uh, we're basic. We're living up, we are basic. We are basic. Uh, and when I say basic, we are like chicken fingers and fries at a steakhouse basic. Some of you are like, well, that's good. Well, that's why you're basic. And uh, we're so basic that uh, we don't even realize it. Do Y'all know the word church isn't even in the Bible. I say it, it covers some things, but it's not in the Bible. The word kirke or church came about several hundred years after the New Testament church. It's not even in the Bible, and it doesn't encapsulate the words that really describe the beauty of the abundant life, the church that God has called us to be a part of. And it is a privilege and an honor, and I want you to see it for what it is so that it, so you see what it ain't too, so you can get out of your stubborn pride because I got to get out of mine. Uh, We all do, we all got it. Tell somebody, say, I got it. it. You do, don't act like you don't. and so it's not even in the Bible. Matter of fact, it doesn't. it's really more than a word. That's what I want you to see. Uh, when Jesus told Peter, he said, uh, upon this rock, Peter, uh, whose name meant rock, he was talking to all of us. This, this, this verse applies to every one of us and everything that God has called us to do. Your story isn't mine. Your gifts and abilities aren't mine. But I'm going to tell you, and mine aren't yours. And, uh, but Jesus told Peter, he said, upon this rock, Peter, uh, and people like you, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. He did not use the word kirke or church. He used the word ekklesia. And you say that with me? Say ekklesia. Yes. Ekklesia is a very, it's kind of a more simple word that honestly church is more connected to cliques, which is why it came about several hundred years later, and we're still fighting against country club and clique mentality in our churches. Um, I'm just saying, it's more than that. Uh, ecclesia means this. It means when Jesus said, "I will build my church," ecclesia. He said, "Ecclesia means a congregation or assembly, followers." Jesus is saying, "I'm going to build the church, and I'm going to change the world with through people that trust me, love me, obey me, or about it." That's what he was saying, ekklesia, not kirke, not church, ekklesia. But there's another word in the New Testament because what we've done in the American church, we've actually begun to overcompensate the other way. Uh, there's a word uh, we talk about not being around people, and I agree. You need to, if you're constantly around people that believe like you, uh, you're not being the church. But there's also another dynamic to this about connection. In the New Testament, there's another word, it's koinonia. Can you say that? Say koinonia. Koinonia, it's more than a word. It's beautiful. It's more than a word. It brings together a lot of ideas. It's, that's why it's not really one word. It's the Greek word because let's face it, the New Testament wasn't written in Hebrew originally. It was written in Kone Greek, period. And the reason that was, I ain't even going to go there because we, it really come against your American church mentality. It, it offended mine, uh, but I'm not doing that. Another sermon. Say another sermon. Another day. Uh, Koinonia, Koinonia brings together a lot of ideas like, uh, community, teamwork, engagement, intimacy. Uh, uh I wrote another contribution. Um, uh, I wrote some more down, uh, uh, sharing. Woo boy. I'm gonna get to that at the end of the message so that I hurt your feelings right before you go out of here. So you don't hate me before it starts. Uh, Koinonia, say Koinonia. 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 Uh, it is not just a word. It's a way of life if I'm being honest. It is what Jesus calls the abundant life. You will not live it until you learn to practice and grow in the concepts of koinonia and Ecclesia. And uh, to be honest with you, it's the only way to enjoy and experience God the way he's called you to on this earth. Amen. Say it with me. Say koinonia. This is how we live. This is how Jesus has called us to live. This is the life that he offers. And what I'm about to preach to you reset my life the last year. And it's reset the vision of this church. Anybody who was here a year or two ago, you can see a big difference. This is what it is basically. or It's the foundation. Um, Tell somebody I'm ready. I hope you're ready to be challenged because I'm going to spit this as quickly as I can. Tell somebody again, say, I'm ready. I'm about to set this thing up. I'm going to start it off, and then we're going to dive deeper and deeper, and I hope when I'm done with it, you're just ready to get, do something with it. Um, online, stay with me. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, I want to start out. Uh, actually, say this with me. Say, Sunday's Sunday's Matter. Sundays matter. What we've done is because for so many years in the American church, uh, we, made, uh, we made the church a service and an institution more than a movement, and we did mess up. But the thing is, is what we're doing now is everybody is talking about church, that, that, that it's not about going to church, it's not about services, and that's wrong too. Uh, say it with me. Say Sundays matter. Catalyst, what God has called catalyst in every church to be is a fire starter for your life. A conversation starter. It doesn't end here. It shouldn't just stay here, but it starts here. Sundays are the starting place. Say it with me. Say, Sundays matter. I'm about to really get back to some basics that even as the church has grown and we have learned some things that we made mistakes in the last 150 years, we need to remember the things that are timeless. And it's not just true for the church, it's true for you because you were the hands and feet of Jesus And everywhere you go. Say, I'm ready one more time. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, that's where we're going to start. I'm going to set this thing up. It says this, the writer of Hebrews, who we don't know who it is, anybody who says they do doesn't know either, Um, let us think about each other. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and good deeds. What does that mean? Well, here's what he says. You should not stay away from church meetings as some are doing. But you should meet together and say that with me. Encourage one another because koinonia isn't I come to church to just receive. You have something to give here. Encouragement. I'm not talking about money right now, but that too. I'm talking you have encouragement and love. You have a personality that God specifically created you. But what we've done in the consumeristic culture where it's all about customer service, we come to church and we think we just have something to receive. That's not koinonia. That's not ecclesia. That's clicking and church. Kir- that's right. And um, and so what he says is you, uh, you should meet together. And what does he say? Encourage each other. He don't say come to church and just get your tank filled. He said you better fill somebody else's. That's koinonia, but I'll get to that in a minute. I promise I'll get to it. Uh, do this even more as you see the day coming. Of course, people make that to be end times and stuff, but really, the writer is whatever day you see coming, whatever your day you're believing God for. Uh, you better, you better. He said, do this even more. There is so much in this passage that I want to unravel before we move on to the next. So I'm going to do it quickly. Can you hang with me? This is so beautiful, and I've been able to study it even more so, and I'm grateful. Um, So the writer, this is the only time in the book of Hebrews that the author uses the phrase one another. It's used throughout the New Testament a lot because quininea. But this is the only time he uses it. He says, let us... Help one another. I want to start right here because in our churches, in our families, because the church just starts here. It should continue in your family, in your marriage, not perfectly, but with all your heart. With everything you got, you're growing. Like Bradford said, when you make mistakes, you don't stop. That's just a sign to keep moving. And um, and so... Uh, One another, we live in in a culture and I'm telling you, I'm grateful that we are able to have the ability and the privileges that we do, but we have a inward mindset, not a one another mindset. By The way, all my people that got bulletins, I didn't put a lot of this in my notes because I just started really my art. This message really developed midweek. You can take notes, I want you to. I hope you do. We have an inward culture. You don't believe me, you're like, Oh, yeah, amen. And me, it's you too, it's me. Here, let me show you how ingrained it is in all of us. If you've ever thought, or we all do, felt, or told everybody about how they didn't speak to you, they thought they were being, and I'm not talking about church, church, anywhere, they didn't speak to me. They think they're better than me. They're shady. Oh, you see how they saw me? You are so inward. We are so inward minded. We don't even realize how hypocritical what we said are is because the fact that they didn't speak to you, you saw them and didn't speak to them. So you were just as guilty as what you're feeling in your insecurity that they didn't speak to you and acknowledge you and thank you when you did something to them because we are inward minded. We have an inward culture. And the writer of Hebrews and throughout the, Old, the New Testament, we hear the concept one another. Because it's about other people. When you love Jesus, you love other people. You don't just isolate and it's not just about you. Matter of fact, it's not about you at all. God blesses you never to just, just to fill your tank. He told Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. And Abraham, that was what he was about. So even when he made mistakes, he never changed his motives. And when he did, he changed them back say one another you don't believe me people over the years as as I've gone in one season to another and I couldn't be the bin in the next season that I was to somebody in last season, I would usually hear through the grapevine, but some people would have the, have the blatant, they would just blatantly tell me, You think you're too good for me? You don't call me, text me, you don't ask to hang out anymore. That's a two way street. You don't call me, text me, ask me to go to lunch either. And the thing is, but the, the thing is, is I don't even get my feelings hurt by that anymore because I realize that's not a personal issue. That's a cultural problem that we all have. Even I do. Mine just looks different than that because I'm busy. I plan my life. I have to where it would plan for me and it wouldn't look good. It don't look great some days, but it'll look real bad then. Say one another one another, one another. Uh, we do it. I've never seen somebody who engaged in conversations on social media that they shouldn't. I've never seen somebody lash out on social media who didn't make a, an accusation that was actually a confession. Because if you're cussing people out on social media for doing things that you're doing by cussing them out, you were hypocritical. You don't realize how, what, how wounding, what wounds you were causing in the name of whatever you're arguing about. But you don't even realize it because we're so inward. We don't realize we're doing the same thing. We're accusing other people. That we have become inward that's why the term narcissism is just so common now because narcissism there's difference in narcissistic disorders but we all have a sense of narcissism it's called pride in the bible self righteousness we all have it we all have it say one another uh, we have an inward mindset and don't even realize it so the author of hebrews said help one another actually, another translation says, stir one another into love and good works. The Greek word I like, stir, help isn't a good thing, but I wanted to make it simple for you in the new century version. But actually, in the Greek, the word means um, incitement, which is usually is so intense of a word it's usually used negatively when you incite riots, violence. Uh, incite undermining manipulation when you're causing stirring up controversy he uses a negative word in a positive word because the writer is so intense and he is saying listen to me incite love and good works in other people you're like well how do i do that what does that look like i'm gonna tell you it starts on sunday say sundays matter. sunday's matter i'm not saying it the bible says it because the writer then says you should not Stay away from church meetings as some are doing. You know, I'm going to tell you straight up, Sundays matter. And if this isn't a church that you're growing in, by all means, the door is wide open. I hope you find one you are. Because I'm not for everybody, catalyst is for everybody. I'm very aware of that. It don't hurt my feelings. I just want you to be somewhere you're growing. Amen. I do. I also open the door. I've learned I may miss you, but I want you to be where you're going to show up. And it ain't, if it ain't worth showing up for, find somewhere that is. Because I, will get to that later too. I promise. I promise. I promise. Um, but I'm gonna tell you, like, uh, so he says. Some people are predictable. They've been they've been disconnecting from community for uh, since the beginning. He says some are doing. As some are doing, he says. 2,000 years later, I'm going to tell you the most damaging thing you can do in your life is disconnect from the spiritual community. You're like, well, I got friends that love Jesus. This is worship. This is focus. That's why these lights, people are like, oh, all that smoke and lights. The smoke and lights and the loud music is so you don't focus on your neighbor. We don't do it to entertain you. We do it because we live in a distracted culture who's everybody worried about what the person next to them thinks. We're trying to eliminate that for you. We're trying to make it easy for you. I I love the show that God puts on in all our lives, but we are not not here for the show. We are trying to work with a culture that we are so inward and we don't even realize that because your insecurities are inward. My insecurities are inward. And he says, help one another, incite them to love and good works. Say this with me right now. Say, Jesus meets us in one another. One more time. Say, Jesus meets us in one another. I didn't get to add that to the notes in time to send it to everybody to get it out there to you so you can write it down. He meets us in one another. When the Bible says that where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in their midst. That doesn't mean that God is not with you when you're alone. It means that it's not good for you to do life alone. God, it was just God and Adam in this mug. God and Adam, like how much perfect do you get? You don't have to fool with your coworkers and your spouses. This is you and Jesus, right? Right? What did God say? He said, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. Alone. And so what happens is we disconnect because here's the thing that we learn in psychology and sociology that the scripture taught years ago. Faith and hope can be practiced alone and on an island. You can be as reserved and isolate, and just have you and your spouse and your kids and nobody else. you can still have faith and hope, but you cannot practice the full exercise of love on an island and alone. You're like, "Well, I just got my friends, I'll get to that because the altar says very clearly, church meetings. The, the translation says, "Forsake not the assembly. Remember Jesus, Ecclesia, assembly. Assembly of yourselves gathered together. Assembly. Sunday say it with me say Sundays matter. Sunday's matter. The word love here, I told y'all we're basic, y'all. We're basic. The word love, I, there's like four different loves or, or loves in the Greek language. The love that the author of Hebrews uses is agape, which is God's love. You will never truly experience God's love the way He's called you here outside of a spiritual community. I said that because the writer did. He says, Forsake not. And how do you incite each other to love and good deeds? He says, Well, first, the starting place is Uh, Go to church, go to meetings, go to somewhere where you grow and the love of God is growing in your heart. That's what he's saying, love, agape. I have noticed, okay, there's one or two things that always happen when people either lose faith or walk away from their faith or church. Typically always. When I say typically, I'm being nice, it's really always. I've learned to kind of give a little discretion up here. most, But I'm going to say it, it's always. First thing is this, church hurt. Here's the thing, we started Catalyst with a heart for church hurt. But I'm going to tell you, what's changed church hurt ain't an excuse, just like any other type of hurt ain't an excuse. When you add people to anything, it complicates things. But Jesus still included people. So that means you should. I'll preach about that in two weeks, I promise. A couple weeks, I don't know when it is. It's nine weeks, I'm getting confused on the message. I'll, I'll tell you Monday if you ask me. Not today, tell somebody that ain't the sermon today. Not today, but church heard it in an excuse. We'll get to that. Second reason is the message I'm preaching today. Disconnect from spiritual community. I have life, busyness, COVID-19, because I'm telling you, everybody's used that as an excuse. Everybody. Everybody's used it. Uh, Financial issues, marital issues, shame, mistakes. Like Bradford talked about, what we do is we disconnect and begin to distance ourselves from the place that we don't realize how much was filling our tank. I can't count the times that people tell me after the fact. They say, I realize all my issues either started or worsened when I stopped connecting at church and coming to church. You need people whether you like it or not. You need them. All my introverts, I know I'm making you anxious. You will not experience love on the level of agape, God's love, the way you you may experience the uh, eros, which is erotic love. You can have all the sex in the world and not have a good marriage. I I tell you, I've counseled enough marriage couples. They got all the substance. They got absolutely no doubt. You can make babies, or you can have a great friend. The Greek word for love, phileos, friend. Uh, you can have great friendships, but you can never experience God the way he offers, the life and love he offers sitting on a couch. I'm going to tell you online, everybody right here, they say, well, church don't do me nothing. I can, I'm just as good of a Christian on the couch. I'm going to tell you, I've never said this from the stage because I don't want to condemn anybody, and I still don't. That's not true according to Jesus and the Bible. Can you love Jesus? Absolutely. But can you experience the love on the level that God has called you and walk in the peace and presence outside of a spiritual connection? No, ma'am. No, sir. Online, I I know we got a lot of people sick, but if you have never walked in this church and you're watching online because of anxiety issues, you are missing it. And I love you, but you are missing it. You you don't need to look at just me on Sundays. You need to look at these beautiful peoples. And I just said peoples. I didn't mean to, but it makes the point. It's not true. It's not true. We live in a culture that we're so inward that we have begun to isolate. It will not heal you. It will make it worse for longer, and you will die having not lived. If if the church ain't meeting your needs where you are, find another one. If if you don't like listening to me because I've been preaching too long lately, find another one. I ain't going to get my feelings hurt. I care too much about you than building numbers. I want to build people. I want to be. I love that the church is growing, but I want to grow with people that want to be here, that want it, that get something out of it. If we're not, if you're not ready, or, or, or you think we just a little crazy? Find somewhere that ain't, because we are. Yeah, a little bit. My foot. Some some Sundays, it's a little bit. You need it, y'all. Say Sundays matter. I ain't just going to do this to you. I I read a bunch of verses, but we'll just go here. Acts chapter 2, and then I'll move on to the next. Acts chapter 2. Remember when the Holy Spirit fell at the day of Pentecost, which started a movement that crosses the world 2,000 years later? What were they doing? It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were, read that with me, meeting together in one place. I said it earlier as I was reading this week. The Bible says as they were worshiping and praying together, the whole place they were in shook. It matters, it matters. And I'm sorry that for the last five years I hadn't really stuck a stance on that. That's the conversation that we all need to hear. You need to bring your family. You need to come to church more than once a month. You need to come to church more than Easter and Christmas. All my people, it will affect your kids. I'll talk about it a little bit at the welcome party for all my people because I said whether you've been here five minutes or five years, you need to come to this welcome party. We'll feed you and it won't take long. We'll send you home, but you need to come because I'm going to tell you, it will affect your kids and family. There is a foundation in my family that was set before I became all their pops and daddies. That It wasn't even a, that helped. It wasn't even a growing church. Let's say that for most of the time. But I'm gonna tell you, they got a foundation. Connor, the the way he's able to lead worship and write songs. You know where that foundation started? Consistent church attendance. I'm just saying. It's the reason our second son went to Georgia Tech and he did not get his faith shaken at all because he was in church consistently. It matters. The writer of Hebrews 2,000 years ago knew that that connection matters. You may get hurt, but don't your husband and wife, they hurt you too, right? Your kids will break your heart, but you don't run from them. That's two weeks from now. I told y'all that ain't today. That ain't today. I got to stop. That ain't today. Say Sundays matter. Say Sundays matter. Sundays matter. Now say this with me. Sundays aren't enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's supposed to be the starter. This is supposed to be the appetizer. And what we do all week and in our lives is we settle for appetizer and don't go for the real thing. So we we wonder why we're so hungry. Why my girls are out there trying to find a guy to meet their needs. My guys are trying to find girls and everybody's uh, doing drugs and trying to make money. And you get to the top and realize it ain't enough because Sundays aren't enough. Sundays are enough. Jesus spit this straight up, y'all. He was spitting so much here, and I want to unpackage it real quick. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus said. This is the Sermon on the Mount, considered the greatest sermon ever preached, which he preached sitting down. I'm not that much like Jesus. I can't sit down and do this, but he can. I wish I could, but I just can't. You are the salt of the earth, but if the city, but if the salt loses its salty taste, it cannot be salty again. It is good for nothing, except to be thrown down and walked on like sand. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you are the light that gives light into the world. A city that is built on a hill cannot be hidden. And people, oh yeah, I'm telling you, Connor, like that song is right on point. A uh, uh, people and people don't hide light under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand so the light shines for all people in the house, say better moves. That's Jesus saying better moves. Well, I don't just say it, I didn't make that up. Jesus said it, It's intentional living. In the same way you should be a light for other people, live so that they will see the good deeds you do and will praise your Father in heaven, not fill your ego, not, not make you feel less insecure, not for you, for him. And if you do the right things for the wrong reason, it'll leave you more, probably more so empty. And Jesus said, and I want you to see this. This is beautiful right here. Jesus didn't say this, challenge us to do it. This isn't Jesus telling us to be that. He said, you are. He said, you are. This is an expectation from your creator. This is not something that like, oh, you need to work towards this. This is an expectation. If you love Jesus like you say you do, you don't let the culture define or your bills or your kids or your enemies or your boss define how you live your life. This is an expectation. Say salt. Salt was a commodity in the days of Jesus. It was a commodity, such a commodity that sometimes Roman soldiers were paid by salt. Salt was a preservative, not just a spice. See, we like our salt. That's why we all got high blood pressure when we hit about 35. I hadn't got there yet, but I'm sure it's coming because I love some salt. And Garrett, because his memory starts with me, he loves some salt and sugar too. Ah. Gee, I'll apologize like when you're a little older. I'm going to enjoy it right now. We're going to get some salt together. He ain't in here. He's a youth. What am I thinking? Um, So uh, salt. Say salt. 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 Um, If it loses its value, you know how, actually I read an article this week. Do you know how, there's two ways that salt loses its value. Watch this. Jesus was spitting and I didn't even realize it until I looked up an article. Number one is Contamination contamination, if a salt loses its value, its, its value is in its saltiness, preservative and spice, it stopped meat, high. they didn't have freezers back then, you had to have salt to stop it from decaying, number one is contamination, if you allow toxic mindsets, relationships to stay in your life, if you allow anything that is not, that is not of God in your life, you lose your value, If you allow things to stay that need to go and you run back to things that God saved you from, relationships, habits, mindsets, inward, selfish, pride, because let's face it, you can have all the money in the world to cover up what you need to work on. But that contamination, do you wonder why your life has really never been lived to the level that you really feel you should live? It's because you've been contaminated. Toxic things will take you down. I have learned in my life. I may hurt some feelings with the decisions I need to make, but if I need to make them, it's because I don't want to be contaminated. I got too short a life to live and too much to do to let my to be contaminated. And honestly, we we have to deal with things. I've let myself get contaminated, but I'm not do. But I but I do as Paul. I try to say we do so no longer. I try to learn, not relearn. You allow things that aren't healthy in your life, in your marriages. If you don't address it and you just deal with it, it's a contamination. Second is this. Second is separation. Say, Sunday's (laughs) matter. Jesus is spitting right here, man. Separation. I read if a grain of salt is separated from the rest of the salt within days, it will lose its saltiness. Jesus was spitting. Right here. He said, you are the salt of the earth. How does salt be what it's called to be? Salt, number one, it cannot allow itself to be contaminated. You can love people, but you can't. You get to decide what people give and take, what your job gives and take. You decide how you do your money, all those things. Contamination, that's your choice. That isn't God's. God will, say, God will handle the things that you can't, but you better handle the things that you can and it's not popular, but I'm gonna tell its not popular. Some of the things that God's calling you to work on and to deal with in your life, the conversations you have, but you better have them because, matter of fact, I'll get to that. Say light, light. say light. He says you are the light of the world. Light has to be illuminated to expose whatever it needs, what to, to expose what's there, right? My job as a pastor—that I. Pour my heart into even no matter how much little time I have in a week, I'm, I'll get up and I won't sleep before I'm not prepared to get up here because my job is to illuminate the scripture to you the possibilities, the promise, the potential. Yes, my job is to help you learn to illuminate it and discern things for yourself. Yes, sir. That's my job. That's my job as a pastor. That's what I, that's my number one thing. I do a lot of things, but that's my number one. If I, I can't lead you unless I feed you, and I got to feed myself before I can feed you. Light. Every one of you, you're, you're a light. Not the same as me, but you're a light. We'll get to that later too, I promise. You are a light. When Jesus says you don't put a light under a bowl, you put it in a room at a high place so that it can expose what's there. You're going to walk in the dark and just trip down some staircase because you didn't put the light in the right place. Say so better moves. Better moves. Jesus is saying you got to be intentional. When you see a decision that needs to be made, you better make it because they pile up on you real fast. And before you know it, you got anxiety disorders. You've done made some mistakes that you don't think you'll ever recover from. And all you had to do was take the light that you already have because it was an expectation. He put inside of you, deposit inside of you, everything you need to do what He's called you to do. Your story isn't mine. Your gifts aren't mine. My single mama's in the place. You're not ever called to get, or I'm not saying you're not ever, you're probably not called to get on a stage and preach, but I'm going to tell you what, how you raise your kids with these principles that we're about to get into. That, that, that your kids need it. Yep. Daddies, your kids need it. Yep. Light. Say light. 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 And then say this with me, say city. This is awesome. You're a city on a hill. Do you know when Jesus taught this, there was a city near him Called Safet, It was a city on a hill that could be seen near and far. They were far enough away from it, they weren't in the city. Jesus went 2022 20, on them. He pointed, he said, I can guarantee you, like he did like me, he pointed, he said, everything you do, everything God that God gives you, every mistake, every win, you bet it better be like that city. What do we do? We do like Adam and Eve in American culture. We cover everything up. Woke up, got their little leaves. He says, if you will live a transparent and authentic life, you know what? When I get on this stage, if I need to apologize for something, I will. I have. You've been here long enough. I've cut some things from the messages in the past because even though I probably believed what I said, I said it all wrong and it wasn't with grace and I messed up and I had to say it. I had to tell Angie all the time, I'm sorry. She's probably like, you need to say a little bit more this season. (laughs) He says, Live like Safet. Because he was saying a city on a hill cannot be hidden because Sapheth was on this big hill where it could be seen near and far. He said, live your life. What we live our life is we live our life showing the things that we're covered. We show what we want to show and we pretend on the rest. (sighs) Say be about it. You want to be able to be the church and take God seriously? You better be about it. Jesus said, I will build my church on people who, who are about it. Who are about it. Now, I want you to say this with authority online. I want you to drop all caps since you're at home. Y'all ready? Oh, you ain't going to like it because it's like a confidence booster. See, we like to self-deprecate in this society. We either like to pretend we're better than we are, but a lot of people just cut themselves down and can't even take a compliment. This ain't a compliment. This is the truth. You ready? Say, "I'm I'm anointed. People tell me all the time, they're like, you're so anointed on stage. Well, you are too. You may not be on the stage, but you're anointed. Now, I want you to say it like you mean it. Say, I'm anointed. anointed. All caps online, say it to you mean it. Say, I'm anointed. anointed. Tell the person next to you, get uncomfortable. Say, I'm anointed. anointed. You have an anointing on your life. Preachers aren't the only people. A lot of preachers don't have an anointing. They lost it years ago. They're just in default mode. I'm sorry. Any preachers online, if it hurts your feelings, it's probably his close to home. You have an anointing. You have an authority on your life. God has put gifts and abilities He's something inside of you. Can you say it? Say, I have an authority. You have one. And I'm about to teach this because I want to drill it in your heart until we go home today because I want to beg you to know no matter how old you are, no matter what your criminal record looks like, no matter what your past looks like, no matter what your dysfunctions and, and disorders and diagnoses are, no matter how old or young or how quality and healthy your back are, say it right now. Say, I'm anointed. You were the salt. You were the light. You were the city on the hill. The reason you haven't lived to that level is because you haven't truly taken him up on it and been about it. And being the hands and feet of Jesus or knowing it and being about it in your own life, family, everywhere you go, that is how the church is built. It starts here. It builds when you go out there and you begin to treat people with an exceptional respect. Even when, you come, even when they don't like what you say, the Bible says a righteous man makes even his enemies be at peace with him. They killed Jesus because they wanted to be him. They wanted that confidence. But he didn't smear it in their face in it either. Paul said this. Say, I'm ready, y'all, because it's going to hit you. Paul tells the church in Corinth. By the way, the Corinthian church that Paul planted was the most dysfunctional church he ever planted. It was also the biggest. Oh, I'm all for growing. I'm glad we're growing. But I'm telling you one thing. I don't want to build a big dysfunctional church. And I know what it takes. I've learned a lot of lessons on what it takes not to do that. And it starts with me. Don't start with you, it starts with me. He begs them. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. Tell somebody right now, say, I'm a player. If you love Jesus, if you commit to Jesus, you're a player. So it is with with the body of Christ. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. He just totally did the whole spectrum of humanity in his time. From elite to inferior. Because he's making a point. Guys, every one of you have a part to play. You are the body of Christ. In America, we look at me as the ministers. Me as the pastor. Oh, I'm coming to hear Ben and consume some content from Ben. You got your own content to give. I just got to show you so you'll tap into and go do something with it. Yes. Excuse me. He says, um, but we have all, say all. Say me. Look at your neighbor. Say you. Ni. We have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. That's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And we share. We all share the same spirit. Jesus, Paul told the church at Rome, he said the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, same power, same presence, same spirit lives inside of you. He didn't say me. He didn't say pastors. He didn't say people that could sing and write songs like Connor. Every stinking one of us. And you know you stink sometimes, so don't take it as insult. (laughs) Say "Same." Same. 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 Paul says every one of you from slave to free, rich to poor, broken, broke, just got out of jail, just got out of your seventh divorce. He says every one of you. I walked around school, went to Bible college and never said a word. I bet nobody, I have had one person that remembers me from Luther Rice. That wasn't them, that was me. I walked in a class, learned a lot and didn't believe in myself one bit because I truly didn't believe what I'm trying to preach it to you. But I want you to believe in, it because it's true. He says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. Oh my gosh, he is really hitting close. And if the ear says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, Paul says, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have our bodies have many parts and God has put each part. Read that with me. Just where he wants it. You're not supposed to be your neighbor or your friend or your coworker or your boss. You're not supposed to have as much money as them. You're not supposed to be the people that you're scared of that intimidate you and, and, and make you feel inferior. You're not supposed to be the people that you wake that you stay awake at night comparing yourself. Why? I'm the same age, but I haven't accomplished as much. You're not. Paul says, you, the ear can't be the eye. I, y'all, I was real ambitious when we started Catalyst. And I still got a lot of dreams, but I got to align them with his will. Because if I'm going to be the toenail of pastors, if I'm called to be the toenail, I'm going to be a toenail. I'm gonna be whatever I'm supposed to be. The things in your life, you are called to be them, and you better be them because the worst thing is to live an intimidated life. He says, you are a part. He says, um, sorry, I gotta find it. My eyes ain't as good as they used to be. How 18, Bradford, you missed it, big boy. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Tell somebody right now, say, you need me. You, need me. Uh-uh. you better look them in the eye right now. I saw y'all just saying it. Look at your neighbor and say, you need, me. you need me. Look back and say, yes, you do. You dang right you need me. And now, y'all, this right here. This right here, I think, is the most beautiful part Of being the body as far as that we don't receive for ourselves. Paul says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Oh my goodness. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So, for example, he's saying the parts that we celebrate in the church, the parts, the roles, are the ones that actually aren't the most necessary. For example, we your heart and liver, right? You don't see your heart and liver, but by God, you don't live without it either, right? It's ugly. I don't want to see it. I hope it never comes out of my body. If I do, I hope I live through it. If it does, but I'm trying to pray they don't have to open me up. I see a lot of stuff in there that I don't want to see. But either way, a lot of food probably. Anyway, I digress. You can't live without your heart and liver. And Paul is saying, I'm the, I, that's why I say I'm the mouth of the church. On a good day, that's okay. On a bad day, oh, just, Lord, give me grace. He says, the heart and the liver may not be seen. See, there's a lot of things in the church, a lot of roles. You feel small. The last church I was an associate pastor at, I can honestly say until the very end of that church, I felt like I wasn't needed. And not because they made me feel that way. I just felt like I didn't have a lot to offer. I don't care how small you feel a part of the church, not just Catalyst, the body of Christ, you are a part. The heart and the liver matter. So we have a lot of people. Y'all make messes on Sunday. I'm just saying, y'all's kids, y'all make just as bad on some days worse. Uh, And somebody every week comes behind you and cleans it up. You see those ushers when we have crowds and have to add chairs? Yeah, that's the liver. That's the heart. All the people, you know, we do a lot of ministry in this facility all the time. Whether it's blood drives, when God gave us this facility, literally it was supernatural. We still don't have enough money to buy a facility like this, but I'm gonna tell you, uh, we decided we we're gonna use it for ministry. So people have to clean it up, and a lot of people do. Heather Petty, uh, oh, uh, your birthday parties, birthday parties, man. I'm just gonna say. So many people don't either leave it a mess or don't leave it nearly the way they found it. And I don't know who you are. Only God does and probably Terry and Terry, but they don't talk about it. They have to find somebody, the heart and the liver, to help us out. Tell somebody, say, I matter. Heather Petty comes in every week. She unlocks these front doors that are manual. She makes sure that there is toilet paper in every dispenser in the bathrooms in the auditorium. I promise you, you can love this church. One stomach attack and you don't, you don't have some TP, you ain't never coming back to this church. That's an important role, literally, an important role. Yes. And guess who does it? You'll never see her preach a message. I can promise you that. That girl right there gets her tail in here around the time the band does and doesn't. Tell somebody the heart. I've got single mamas out there. I've seen pictures of you cleaning this place up so because people have chaos in their life. If they don't come in here and can smell pleasant, feel pleasant, I may challenge you, but it's in the right ways. You ain't coming back heart the liver so we don't see them we don't celebrate them they're in the backstage but Paul says that's the heart and the liver that's right. you matter in your family you may not feel like you matter in your family but what you do your family would miss if you weren't there to do it years ago I didn't know a lot about music and I was like why y'all gotta have all these backup singers that mess up the songs until they know how to backup sing and, 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 it's, and they told me the, the music pastor of the old church said you would know it if they weren't there that's right. you would know the quality that it'd be way less quality if they weren't there You are the heart, you are the liver of this place. I am the face, you can live without the face. Matter of fact, some people need to, uh, uh, some people these days just need to hide their face and I'm probably one of them. I'm just saying, you matter. Say, you matter. You matter. matter. Paul says, Paul says, uh, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If the, if, if, um. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, boy, you better celebrate people. You better celebrate people. You better celebrate even if you hadn't got a baby yet, even if you hadn't got married yet, even if you haven't got the promotion, you better celebrate when other people does. Because if you can't be faithful on the sidelines, you are not about it. You don't get in the game until you're faithful second string. That don't just apply in sports. That applies in every part of life. He says we celebrate we, uh, and all parts are glad. This is the way the system is supposed to work that Jesus put in place. All of you together are Christ's bodies and each of you is a part of it. Amen. Say right now, say I'm anointed. I'm anointed. You were anointed. I want to leave you with three things, three things, three things, three things. Number one, you are a contributor. I didn't say you need to be. I said you are. You need to figure it out and grow in it. You are a contributor. Uh, The scripture says, uh, God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. We live in a consumeristic culture. It's all about me. Customer service. And honestly, every one of us in some degree, we look at church that way. You look at church that way. That's why if somebody hurts your feelings, you'll leave a church over something petty without even having a conversation because we see the church like the place you're going to lunch. You do. If it doesn't serve me, if it's not exactly, if it doesn't, if, if, if one incident happens with my kids, even though they called me and let me know, oh my gosh, you're going to blast them just like you do a restaurant. Because we look at the church. It's why that a lot of people who even invest here, a lot of times you will see uh, over the years, not just, I'm not talking about Catalyst. I've served in a lot of places now, but everywhere really. When you don't, when you're not here, you don't Give. Do you know why that is when you think it's not good? You don't have to give when you're not when it show up. You know why? Because you think you're a consumer. It's ingrained in you. You see that you're a consumer. We live in, people are worried about other religions. They're like, oh, Muslims are taking over everywhere. No consumerism has taken over the church. Why That's why you'll go in debt to buy your kids Christmas and, and spend the rest of the year paying off uh, credit card debt for Christmas presents that they're not going to play with very long. Uh, instead of using that money to actually be responsible, we live in a consumeristic world. And because of that, we look at the church as consumers, which is why we get upset when things aren't our way, when that thermostat isn't exactly the way you need it to be. Somebody's going to say, I'm cold, I'm hot. Well, if you're hot, wear less clothes, and if you're cold, wear more. But we look at it, we look at the churches that we, we are a consumer. It's here to serve us. No, koinonia is I have a part to play. I may not preach the message, but I got something to give and to receive and I got something to go out of here and do every single day because Sundays aren't enough. Amen. Tell somebody I'm annoying, I'm annoying It's time for you to realize that you're a contributor. You're not a consumer, you're a contributor. Here and everywhere you go. Mamas, daddies, grandmamas, Teachers, coaches, factory workers, high school dropouts, college graduates, felons, uh, fathers, mamas, single mamas, single daddies, grandmamas, granddaddies. I could keep going and going and probably repeat seven things and still miss it, but I'm going to tell you, you have a part to play. Paul said, "Whether I eat or drink, I do it for the glory of God." Solomon, the most, one of the wealthiest men' ever walked men ah, to walk the face of the earth. He said, Wh- "Whatever my hands find to do, do with all your my." Paul said in Philippians 4, he was in prison and he said, I have learned to be content in every season of life, whether I'm well fed or whether I'm hungry, rich or with nothing. Why did he say it? You go a few verses later, he said, because I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. He wasn't talking about touchdowns. He was talking about building the kingdom of God. When you seek first the kingdom, Jesus said everything else will be added unto you because you are about it. Not because you just come to church and you just, you don't, you, you treat people nice. It's because you trust Jesus, you obey him, and you make decisions every day more and more to love him and to love others. And when you mess up, you gravitate back towards it. When Jesus said, Go, I know I'm spending a lot of scripture, but I want you to know this is the Bible. When Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, we have focused like that's missionaries. The Bible actually doesn't emphasize in the Greek go, it emphasizes making disciples, which means we should have interpreted it as you go. Every one of you. This isn't the decide. This is just the start of it. I, we, we are the gasoline. You are the engines. But we look at churches, we're consumers. I'm gonna go somewhere that fills my tank the way I want to. And I'm and I'm gonna leave as soon as something happens, like like Burger. You it's, it's ain't Burger King, y'all. That's that's American, not Christian. The same Burger King man, it's a true something that we can take seriously, and you are a contributor. Contribute in your family. Help your spouse do some grunt work. Just because they can't do it, don't let them do all the work, because I'm going to tell you resentment's going to build up, and one day you're going to wish you had of when that thing ends in a divorce. Talk to your spouse. Bear your heart. That's what it looks like to be, be about it in your family. Quit nagging them and, hey, challenge them, but by all means, give a lot more encouragement. Won't you, if you're really having a lot of marriage issues, why don't you work on yourself for a season and let them watch you instead of hear you? You have something to contribute. Your kids, why don't you pray with them? Mamas and daddies, I ain't just taking on the men. Pray with them, cry with them, be honest with them, apologize to them because you mess up, I mess up. I'm telling you, I have learned how much I project on my kids and my family more the last year and a half, and I feel terrible about it, and I still struggle with it. But by God, I apologize when I do. Be honest. Don't tell them, well, at least I feed you. No, tell them you screwed up because they'll do that to their kids. That's how generational curses happen. Be honest with your kids. Be real. Tell them when you're hurting. You don't have to say, Mommy and Daddy's doing good. No, Mama and Daddy are hurting. We won't stay here, but we are going through absolute hell. But Jesus still loves us even though we don't feel it. You are a contributor. At your job, quit telling everybody what you have to contribute and contribute. Quit self-promoting and contribute and watch God promote you. Because you cannot curse what God has blessed and you do not get the blessing of God until you decide to be about His business. And his business is changing lives. And you are called to change lives. You are called. Say, I'm a contributor. I'm a contributor. You're a contributor. Two, you're a creator. You're a creator. You are a creator. So, so, you're a creator. So, so um, matter of fact, uh, about our creator, it says, so God created human beings in his image, in the image of God who created them. He created the male and female. So our God is creative. He created us. Look at yourself if you don't believe it. You can't make you up. Mm Mm-hmm. I got some family right now saying, you ain't right about me. You can't make this up, man. He is creative. You are creative. So my whole life, we all have this fear of not having enough. You live your life scared not being getting the bills paid and losing your house and car. you feel like you don't have enough to offer at work. you feel like you're not intelligent. My whole life, I felt like I was scared. My whole life from about 11 on, I thought I was so scared that I would run out of content to preach. I thought I didn't think I was creative and relevant. And one day it just hit me. God created me in His image, which means He's the creator. I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm creative. And I will never run out of content as long as I pull from him. Now, you start pulling from your flesh and pride and overcompensating and trying to prove something. Oh, you'll run dry quick. But Jesus said, Those who drink of the water I give will never thirst. My cup will run over as long as my cup is filled by him. And when it's not, I go right back to him because that well will never run dry. He is a creator. You are relevant, you are innovative. You are a God has called you to be a mama, and you were a good mama, and you were a growing mama. And God is doing something in your life, and your kids are getting to see it more than you are because other people see. Uh, your gifts and your kids do more than you do. You keep on moving and making better moves. Single mama and mamas in the place. Daddies, don't you have what it takes for your? I don't care if your kids are thirty and forty. You still, they need to see you grow, and they can see you grow. You've got what God put inside of you. You are creative. You are relevant. You are real. You are. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And for you to minimize that is you are minimizing Him. It's a sin to be pitiful because what you're doing is you're criticizing His creation. Say, I'm a creator. Create your content. You have a testimony. Tell people one-on-one. You don't have to pressure them to tell them, man, God has been good to me instead of going into work being a pessimistic. You're a creator. You're relevant. And lastly, say this with me. Say, producer. You are a producer. And I'm not talking, be fruitful and multiply and I'm not talking about babies. I mean, some of you, some of you, sure. Some of you need to stop right now. Close that oven down. I mean, for your own benefit. We love babies. Our kids is growing like crazy. We need some help back there, actually. I'm just, we need some help. Anyway, Acts chapter two, here it goes. Watch this. Every one of us are called to this in our own way. The apostles were doing many miracles and signs and everyone felt great respect for God. All the believers were together and say that with me, shared everything. Woo, you talk about totally anti-American. People are like, you're anti-American. Well, that's anti-American for sure. They would sell their land and the things they owned and then divide the money and give it to anyone who needed it. Boy, you you, boy, you lose your religion. Somebody talks about, even talks about taking your money. But you try. But they, psh, you, and then somebody will lose their life because your money is your life, not him telling y'all man i'm telling y'all and i got testimony after i'm telling y'all y'all have no idea what our financial situation was looking like and how god in my life and my name's life but we will not stop moving i got a wife that will end up on the streets before we stop serving him and god blesses us because of that the believers met together in the temple every day you can't even come to church once a month that's what being about is like every day. Could you imagine having to listen to me every day? But they did it. That were about it, about it, about it. Because Sundays matter to them or services matter to them. And they ate together in their homes. Oh, happy to share their food with joyful hearts. Boy, you bite somebody's hand off. They go, boy, I've seen some marriages, uh, a spouse go and get their food. You pop them like they're your child says they are happy to share their food with joyful hearts. That's why we eat here, y'all. That's why we do a lot of events and spend a lot of money on food is because the New Testament church broke bread together. Go pay for somebody's lunch and take them out just to encourage them. Not with an agenda. Pay for their food. Do the whole pay it forward. Pay for somebody. When you see they don't have a house, a, a van, a nine, and you can do it, or honestly, you know you should do it, go, why don't you pay for somebody's Big Mac behind you? Why don't you start being about it? Because they ate, they shared their food with Joy of They praised God and were liked by all people. Even the people that killed them liked them. They just wanted to be them. Because the, most of them died in Adjustment Church. We think we got it back. Every day the Lord added, say added, produced those who were being saved to the group of believers every day you were called to be a producer the blind man didn't preach a message all he said is when they were trying to accuse jesus he said i can't tell you if he's a sinner or not what i'll tell you is i was blind and now i see what has God put in your hand? What has he put in your heart? Because you are a contributor. You were a creator. You are a producer. It's, it starts on Sundays. It's a fire starter. Don't settle for the appetizer. Don't settle for some fake social media posts, romance and money and respect. Why don't you go in for the real thing? You're like, what does that look like? Here it is every day. You want to know it? Apply this to every decision. Jesus said, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people. To myself the cross Jesus said I'll preach cross and uh, Jesus I preached Jesus and him crucified everything you do when somebody comes at you when you get the demotion when they treat you disrespectfully when you go home today and you and you're stressed out and your mind's spinning but your son or daughter needs you when you need to wash dishes but you can't even think straight you want to go to bed lift him up that's how you do it that's the love. He went to the cross and he loved you so much. And that say, be about it. And every gift and ability be about it, Catalyst. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at Iamcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at Iamcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you. We care about you. And we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.